I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. <laughs> Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAV. As usual, I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, I've got a couple of topics to get into today, but I've got to gotta tuck something into the beginning of this show because I didn't manage my time well yesterday, and I've got to play this clip. If you didn't hear yesterday's show, uh, I talked about this pipeline between antidepressant drugs and the new weight loss drugs. And I, I, there was a, a really good clip. I just didn't have time for it. To be honest with you, I got a little lost in my notes and didn't really get to it. But, but there's this kind of ties the bow on it. If you're interested in the topic, if you're considering getting on the Ozembics or the Wagovis or they have something new coming out now too, you'll hear about it on the news because <laughs> the news is paid for by Big Pharma. So they'll certainly let you know. But if you're considering those drugs or considering these antidepressant drugs or you're on them and maybe you're thinking about getting off of them, I, I want to be there to to put in my two cents, I guess. You know, I'm fighting a losing battle. There's no doubt about it. But I think people are more awake to the pharmaceutical scam that has gripped this nation for the past 30, 40 years now in real, in a real serious way. And so I'm going to play this clip now, again, a little bit bad form because it doesn't fit with the rest of the show, but it's just, it's, it's a clip I can't let be unplayed. This was, uh, I can't remember uh, what program this was on, but this, was a, this is one of these medical experts coming on to talk about the weight loss drugs. As I explained yesterday, these are native ads where they essentially are kind of hawking products for big pharma, but they're not doing it during a commercial break. So you think it's news. You think they're just giving you the best science available. Anyway, just check this out. All right, so Doc, I read that some psychiatrists are prescribing these weight loss drugs to counter side effects of certain antidepressants, like weight gain. What are your thoughts on this? It seems like a lot of medication. I'm torn on this one, Jeff, and I think it's really complicated. In medicine, we do this all the time. <clears throat> we mix our drugs to counteract the side effects of one drug with another drug. I give a person a statin. It raises their blood sugar a little bit. I give them a medicine to lower the blood sugar. Those are some... Oh, gosh. I, this is exactly what I explained yesterday. And, and and you can hear her during this interview. You can hear her kind of smiling and laughing a little bit. Oh, this is what we do in medicine. We give you one drug. It causes a problem. We give you another drug to, to counteract that first one. But I, she makes an admission in here that I think is, uh, I think is something people should hear. 
sort of well-established mixes. But when we're talking about psychiatry, right. it's a really tricky thing to do this for a couple of reasons. One, because we know that Ozempic has been linked to some psychiatric problems, such as suicidal ideation and you know depression, feelings like you want to hurt yourself. So if you're treating somebody with an antidepressant and they gain a little weight and then you're giving them Ozempic, which can actually make the depression problem worse, we don't yet know, that could be counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah, you think? Now, what I think was most interesting in there is when she said, we don't yet know. And this was a big thrust of yesterday's show, was that these medical experiments did not start with the COVID jabs. They've been going on for decades. And this is just another one of them. You just heard one of their spokesholes on television say, yeah, we just don't know. Well, we know these drugs might cause you to kill yourself or want to hurt yourself. Now, why would a drug to control appetite make you want to kill yourself? That's kind of odd, isn't it? But, but she says in there, she says, yeah, we just don't know yet. So this is just another experiment. And they will, they will flail around in the dark. They will be told at their medical schools or at their conferences in Maui about drugs to counteract the, the side effects of the first drug that they gave you, but they won't actually know if it actually works until there's been a few thousand tragedies. Oops, oopsie. <laughs> oh, gosh, that didn't work out well, but we think we've got a drug. To, you know what I mean? This is just absolutely sick stuff. If you're, if you're interested in hearing a little bit more about this, this Ozembic these GLP-1 receptors, semaglutide medications for weight loss. You want to hear more about that and psychiatric medications, just search for The Mike Madison Show and go get The Wednesday Show. I get down to it a little bit deeper. All right, we'll get into the, the beef of the show today. If you don't mind indulging me again, I fell in love a couple of times this past week. <laughs> now, to be honest with you, the women you're about to hear are actually cute. But it is the mind, it is the mind and the spirit that just has me swooning over a couple of ladies here. This first one is a woman. These are kinds of my audio quotes of the day today. This is a woman that was addressing, and it doesn't give me, uh, this was, I found this on Twitter. It doesn't tell me where she was appearing, but she's obviously in front of a governmental body, and that's what makes this so sexy. She says this to their face right to their face. I don't know if this is a school board meeting or a city council meeting or, or what this was, but you'll hear she's getting her time to speak, and this is what she said. You start my time. Please just keep going. I've come here to speak to those of you who are still under the illusion that these people in front of me, or any other person for that matter, has authority over you, and also to speak for the people who still believe the lies the government promulgates. The only reason they act like tyrants is because people indulge the fantasy that they have authority over us. Indulgence in that fantasy is responsible for the pains of the past year and for the pains that our children will feel for decades, centuries to come. They have no more authority over you than I do. No more authority over you than any man has over you. A badge or a vote in a ballot box does not give these people magical powers that you and I don't possess. If you believe that we were ever in a pandemic, despite your eyes, ears, brain, heart, and instinct telling you otherwise, you are choosing to believe a mass-murdering government over yourself. 
a government that cares so much about social gatherings that it bombs weddings in Afghanistan, a government that tells you to mask your 13-year-old while shooting another 13-year-old in the street. This was never a pandemic. This is far worse. If you believe these people care about you, I urge you to look up the following. Tuskegee experiments, the MOVE bombing in Philadelphia, the Dakota 38, Ruby Ridge, Waco, Wounded Knee, 1894 and 1973, and the Black Wall Street Massacre, the 100th anniversary, which is this month. Last time I was here, I spoke how we need to unify against these purveyors of hate. There is no left or right. There is only freedom and enslavement. These people consider all of us property. Our unification against them is the only chance our children have for survival. I'll end with a quote from Lysander Spooner. A man is no less a slave because he is allowed to choose a new master once in a term of years. Revolution is not a one-time event. Refuse, resist, rebel, revolt. Boy, I got to tell you, I hope I'm in the same FEMA camp she is. <laughs> she's she's exactly right, and she hits she hits some of the things that I've always said I wanted. I wish I had a radio show on a left wing network because I would love to. I mean, she talks about Tuskegee, the Move bombings. She talks about shooting kids in the streets. I mean, all of these things that really the left would get up in arms about, but for some reason the left still wants to give their government more power. Of course, the right also wants to give the government more power when their guy's in control. But uh, that, that's, a good, uh, that's a good laundry list for uh, some of the left. And here's another one. I, fell in, I told you I fell in love twice this week. I love the accent, and this is uh, that's a, another cute girl. Another person that I hope to meet in the FEMA camp. 1% of the population control the world. 4% of the population are their puppets. 90% of this population is a zombie, is a sleeping zombie. And 5% are trying to wake up the zombies. The 1% make sure that the 4% stop the 5% from waking up the 90%. This is not a war between two religions. This is not an ethnic war. This is not a racist war. It's none of these. This is the oldest trick in the book. Divide and conquer. This is what war does. They create the division. They make sure you are racist. You're in, uh, controlled by fear. You are breeding hate in order to divide so they can conquer. Do you know how a magician does his trick? So basically, he has a plan. And in order for him to do the trick without you noticing, he does this loud and thing here so it distracts you constantly. While this is happening, he slowly creeps up from behind to implement his magic trick and then magic. That's exactly what the politicians do. They are distracting us with, you know, we are not human, and this is a human, this is not, this color, this race, this religion, in order for them to just start implementing their agenda. None of these leaders, look who are leading us, care about us. None of them. I mean, they've proven it one too many times. They create the problem, okay, they create it, and then for them to implement the solution or to implement their plan, they call it the solution. How do you think we all got vaccines and COVID? How do you think now we are carrying these phones with all our information on it? Why do you think banks are going cashless? And now it's gas. And where's this gas? In Gaza. If 90% wake up, do you know what will happen to that 1% and 4%? Kapoof. They can no longer lead 95% of power. Please wake up. Amen, sister. Amen. Now, I, I didn't speed that up. That audio was kind of fast. I'll throw this in there, too. Just another uh, a PSA from Mike Madison. Listening to podcasts or anything else at 1.25, 1.5%, it's tempting. I've done it. I stopped doing it. 
I don't think it's good for our brains. Now, we can comprehend stuff very, very quickly. Feels like maybe we're not using our brain to listen at regular speed. If you're listening to me at 1.5 speed to try to get through this show faster, I, I, I encourage you not to do that. There have been some studies that actually show this can... It can raise levels of anxiety and stress. And I did find myself, because I, I try to, I consume a lot of information. You know, with my new job, I'm on the road a lot. I've got a ton of time to listen to stuff. So I'm not as anxious to get through it as quickly because I've got sometimes long periods of driving or, or time where I can listen. But it's not good for your mental health to listen at things at rapid speed. So it seems like she was sped up. That wasn't me. I'll never do that on this show. Um, Last one is a dude, so I'm not in love with him, but uh, a great admirer. Uh, this is Clint Russell. He does a podcast called uh, Liberty Lockdown. He started this in the wake of COVID. He's a libertarian guy. And uh, I just thought he made a very, very interesting point here, one that I think I've kind of made on the show before, and it's, it's how pathetic the Republican Party is. Number one, what, something since 2016, since Trump won his first round, the Republicans are now, what, one and four? Is that what it is? See, they lost in 18, 20, 22. Yeah, well, one and three, I guess. Uh, no red wave. You know, just it's it been a dismal performance by the Republicans, but there actually is an answer to that if they would ever actually pay attention, and that's what Clint Russell talks about. Take a look. The average margin of victory in congressional races and Senate races and even presidential races are almost always single digits. The libertarian vote, the, the true hardline constitutionalist gun-toting small government vote, well, we are not enormous. We are big enough to swing those elections, the vast majority of them. And if they were to offer us up Thomas Massey's all across this country, I think you would see a red wave. The red wave that had been promised that never, that never arrived. Multiple times we've been told this red wave's coming. Look how absolutely horrendous the Democrats are. Why wouldn't it arrive? Well, the reason is because the GOP and the broader Republican Party are socialists. They're, they're warmongering socialists, the worst of both worlds. If you offer us up non-interventionist constitutionalists, you guys can win. And if you don't, then me and my cadre of intransigent lunatics will continue to vote for the Libertarian Party against all odds because we will not go down with this boat. We're not going to just vote for some other drunk, blind captain to try and sail us through that, that night, that good night. And that's the reason that, that we demand better. We understand the circumstances. Most Americans don't. Most Americans think that you can continue to print and spend like this and that you'll get away with it. It's false. It's a false premise. Anyone that has any backdrop in Austrian economics understands exactly why. Yeah, so I just thought that was kind of interesting. It's not, it's not really rocket science. Probably really wouldn't be hard for the Republicans to have a red wave if you pick people who are actually, I mean... I don't know what conservative is anymore, but the Republicans still pretend on their websites and in their, in their platform to be these small, limited government people, but then you get things like Space Force. <laughs> you get more government every time you vote for these people. So it's not hard. If the libertarians are even 3 4 5% of the population, wouldn't it be great to have them voting for your side? 
I mean, it might be unpalatable to some of the conservatives who still worship at the altar of the government as long as their guy's in charge. A little freedom sometimes is scary to people on the right, certainly on the left. They, they have come to fear freedom. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's just a pretty easy playbook. When I come back, speaking of, you know, he said, like, we'll vote for the Libertarian Party against all odds. Well, you know, Argentina just showed us that maybe it's not against all odds. Maybe that's even self-defeatist to say, and I'm, I'm one of the first to say it. My problem is just that I, I, I lack any faith in people really wanting freedom because I see them voting against their best interest over and over and over again. When I see a bunch of people voting for a 26% federal tax uh, on their income rather than a 29% tax on their income, that doesn't impress me the slightest bit. You've given up the entire argument and just admitted that you believe they deserve a giant chunk of your income, regardless of how poorly they spend it, how badly they manage it. And we know exactly what the government does with money is essentially runs it through their money laundering operation or flushes it down a toilet. And yet the Republican Party, the best they can do is a 3% tax cut. That's weak, weak, weak. Down in Argentina... On the other hand, and we'll talk a little bit about Javier Mille when we come back, because now he's in office and starting to flesh out what he's doing. Uh, there's some good. There's some, uh, not sure about that. <laughs> so, as I said, I'm suspicious, but I'm hopeful because the people of Argentina voted for something better. We'll talk a little bit about what he's doing down in Argentina when we come back. I don't know what it was the other day that got me thinking about this, but I think we need to flip elections on their head. Make it more like a survivor, where you go and you vote for the worst person, but instead of them winning anything, they actually are, I don't know, stripped of their citizenship and all of their wealth and sent out of the country. I bet you we would see, we would, we would see some big voter turnout for that. I did hear uh, this week here on WYAB on the news break that Michael Guest has made some national news that apparently he has taken some action to kick George Santos, another Republican, out of Congress. They can't get around to impeaching Joe Biden, but this numbnuts George uh, George Santos, is that his name, out of New York, the guy really seems like a flake and just who knows. I, I, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to the political theater, as you know, if you listen to this show, but Michael Guest has taken a firm line and he's decided to get rid of a congressman, a Republican congressman from New York. Joe Biden's fine. The Pentagon just failed its fourth audit. Still can't account for trillions and trillions of dollars. But Michael Guest is on the case. He's going to get George Santos out of out of Congress. And, you know, I can only imagine that what it is is just that this Santos guy, he's just weird. And all the headlines around him, it sounds like he's a con man. As I say, who knows? Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe he's maybe he's one of the good guys <laughs> because I have not ever really dug down into his record or anything. But, you know, this idea that we need to get rid of this George Santos, he's a, he's a blight on the Congress of the United States. Like there's, there's some kind of reputation they're trying to maintain. Like there's some kind of integrity in Washington, D.C., when, where when there's one guy out there who 
He, he may be as, you know, what it feels to me like is he's just a, he's kind of an immature thief. You know what I mean? He's just done things that caused a lot of attention to himself. And it, it's kind of like the mafia, I guess, where they go, you know, sometimes they have to off some of their people because they just were, they were causing too much attention to the, to the criminal enterprise. Maybe that's what it is. You know, you're just, you're not doing the corruption right. You need to do the low-key corruption just with the lobbyists and the foreign countries and the, uh, and the industries and our corporate donors. You need to do it that way. But don't, don't be just out there spending campaign cash on jacuzzis. I, I'm pulling that out of my butt. I think I saw something along those lines that this guy had done something. So the, the idea that Congress is trying to maintain its integrity... I think John Fetterman has, (laughs) I think John Fetterman has, I think he's great in the Senate. I really do. Not because I agree with anything he says, and he's quite obvious, a a stroke victim idiot. And he was, you know, it's really sad when you see somebody with some, some real mental abilities have a stroke. It's, it's just tragic, particularly a, you know, an intelligent person, engaging person, and they have a stroke. It's, very, very sad, and a loss for all of us and their loved ones and their friends. John Fetterman didn't even start out as an intelligent human being, and now he's had a stroke? He, he's, a, he's a dumb stroke victim, and he is in the sitting Senate right now. But really, when you stop and think about it, is John Fetterman any worse than, than John McCain, Lindsey Graham? Hillary Clinton was a senator. Mitch McConnell I mean, the list is endless of senators that I do not want there, stroke or no stroke. So anyway, I guess Michael Guest is cleaning up to make sure that they have a pristine and honorable and integrity-driven House of Representatives. Yeah, right. Right. That's what you voted for, people. Um, Anyway, I wanted to get into Javier Mille. I'll tell you what, I'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and and get into it because he's he's cranking up. There's a lot of attention on this guy. I'm going to talk a little bit about the enthusiasm of conservatives in Melee and the comparisons they're making for him, because I, I think you're missing something. I think you are really missing something. It may be a little bit of hopium. I understand. But, you know, maybe you know, if you're going to cheer for a libertarian, at least to me, understand why you should be cheering for him and why you should be demanding it of other people that you're, that you're supporting. That would actually get us somewhere. We'll do that when we come back. Stick Back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Javier Mille won down in Argentina. To my knowledge, the only libertarian professed Austrian economics. All of his dogs are named after libertarian thinkers, I believe. I think he's got four dogs, and I know three of them are named for, uh, one of them is, uh, I think, Rothbard from Murray Rothbard. So this guy is now... I'll tell you right now, and I said it when he won, I'm still cautious. The most optimistic I am about Javier Mille's election in Argentina is that finally an entire country of people had a majority of people who said, we will not stand for the corruption and the destruction of our economy by these 
parasites in office, and they chose a dramatically different way. So even if this guy turns out to be a stooge or a plant, you know, sometimes they give us these saviors, air quotes here in the studio, saviors, and it turns out it's just one of them. They just kind of understood where the wind was blowing, what people were upset about, what they were demanding, and so they give you that, even though they actually control the person. Now, a couple of things about Javier Mille that uh, have been floating around. One is that he is at the World Economic Forum. There's a picture of him with the World Economic Forum as one of their young global leaders. My understanding is his explanation of that was, I think he spoke there in 2012, maybe it was, uh, when he was a younger man, and his speech was actually about ending central banking and that he did not have anything else to do with them. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Again, I always remain suspicious of anybody who seeks high office. Uh, I was very disappointed, actually, on Monday. I believe I saw that Javier Mille has now come out and said he supports Israel and is a Zionist. Now, I said last week, you know, if you want to support Israel, that's fine. No problem with that. I disagree with the way the Israeli government uh, abuses its relationship with the United States, number one, attack the USS Liberty, look it up, uh, but also the way that the Palestinians have been treated. I am for oppressed people gr getting freedom. I know that's weird to people when you've been convinced that uh, one side's good and one side's bad. Um, but uh, the one thing I definitely oppose is this, I this, this idea of Zionism. Uh, it's, it's been equated as something biblical. A lot of evangelicals in this country have seemed to have taken up that cause, yet I, my understanding is it's only about 150 years old, something like that. Just one of these things that modern men just kind of came up with, and then they, they put out some new, some new works. I can't remember the name of the book that came out that tied Zionism to you know, prophecy and these kinds of things. Uh, apparently that's only about 150 years old. It's not anything that is biblically rooted from 2,000 years ago. No, this was created by man uh, for what a lot of times religion is used for, power and profit. But to hear Javier Mille say that, and I didn't hear him say this, I've just seen mention of it, that he is a Zionist, that concerns me. Now, if he supports Israel and calls himself a Zionist, but he doesn't send a plug nickel over there to him and doesn't commit any of his troops, then I'll just say, I will have to agree to disagree on that philosophy, but at least he's not selling out his country for it the way that the uh, politicians in the United States are currently doing. So we'll see. On the encouraging side of Javier Mille, because a lot of conservatives out there think he is the new Trump. And I am here to tell you, he is not. <laughs> the comparisons to him should end at the hair and the boisterous, uh, in-your-face political style. But from what is actually the philosophy of Donald Trump and Javier Mille, and I think Mille is an admirer of Trump in the fact that he was able to kind of thwart the system and, and bull his way into the presidency. I'm sure he took a page from that book, probably made him a little bit more brash because he realized it works. But when it comes to philosophy, uh, Javier Mille, from everything that I've seen, is very different than Donald Trump. In his first day in office, Mille announced the dissolution of the Ministry of Women, Gender, and Equality. He said it's going to close. This is essentially one of, their, uh, one of their agencies. 
one of their cabinet positions. He said, you got 21 days. We're closing shop. He did this on his first day. Donald Trump, on the other hand, did not eliminate a single agency. As a matter of fact, he added Space Force. He, he proposed a new $1 billion headquarters for the FBI, and he gave the Department of Education the biggest raise they had ever had. Now, I even ran across this. Donald Trump sent out a tweet uh, the other day, or I, I guess, is he on Twitter now? I don't think he is. I guess everything that comes across Twitter uh, from Donald Trump has its origins in uh, uh, on Truth Social. But this was a uh, this was a thing that Donald Trump put out. You know, he's going after oh, he's going after somebody. But I'll just play the clip and let you hear what he has to say because uh, Javier Mille is trying to take an axe to the size of the Argentinian government in response to their many financial crises caused by their socialist government there. On the other hand, this is Donald Trump. Kim Reynolds of Iowa has gone from a popular governor to the most unpopular governor in the entire United States of America. Not an easy feat. Now, actually, isn't that Tate Reeves? Did, did I see? I saw something. And no slam against Tate. I'm not a Tate fan. The guy closed down our state. So I, 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 I don't get over these things. Um, but I did see something that said that Tate Reeves was the least popular governor in the country. I don't know if that's true. I was just, I was actually surprised to see that. Uh, anyway, uh, the backstory on this is, is I believe the governor of Iowa endorsed Ron DeSantis. So, of course, she's crossed Donald Trump, so now she's the worst ever. Her endorsement of Ron DeSanctimonious, who is 50 points down to me in the polls, has given him exactly zero bounce. He's a wounded bird falling violently from the sky. I wonder what position Kim was promised in order to back someone who is so far down in the polls. I got Iowa first in the nation, ethanol security, and $28 billion for our great farmers in Iowa and Nebraska and Wisconsin and many other farming areas. So there he is. See, that's the, that's the difference. Donald Trump is bragging about the fact that he's a big backer of ethanol. How many of you out there really like that ethanol, particularly in your small engines where it's, it's very bad for the engines themselves? But Donald Trump gave $28 billion to a bunch of farmers. And for those of us who understand what that means, it means big agriculture companies got billions of taxpayer dollars. Donald Trump is bragging about the fact that he made the government bigger and spent more money on these special interest groups than anybody else areas of our country, $28 billion for the farmers. I also protected Social Security and Medicare. There we go. <laughs> I, predict, I protected two of the largest socialist programs, that the, the brainchild of FDR and the New Deal, and, and it, it, just another part of the Great Society. This is Donald Trump bragging about all of the big government things he's done. De Sanctimonious and Nikki Haley did absolutely nothing. Make America great again. There we go. He's bragging about how the, all the big government things that he did. Uh, a couple of days after uh, Javier Mille uh, disbanded this Department of Women, Gender, and Equality, he said that, quote, the closing of the central bank, the BCRA, is non-negotiable. 
Now, he has not done this yet. Uh, but this would absolutely be the, the, one of the biggest things done around the world uh, for the freedom of a people that we may have ever seen. Now, uh, in contrast, Donald Trump made our central bank stronger. What did he have them print up in his last year in office? Four, five trillion new fresh dollars to help unleash this inflation. Uh, I remember during Trump's term as he was jawboning the Fed to keep interest rates at zero. And I said, why is he doing this? He knows that it just creates big, fat, ugly bubbles. People told me, you don't understand. He's taking over the Federal Reserve and merging them with the Treasury. So, he, I mean, it was just this bizarre story that had no basis in fact. But Trump actually made our central bank stronger. Uh, Javier Mille has said he will close it, and we will see. Of course, people in the United States will say that they can't get rid of the Fed, Mike. The Fed is just part of the... Nobody talks about getting rid of the Federal Reserve. It just can't be done. If it could be done, Republicans would be talking about it. Somebody would be talking about it outside of Ron Paul. Somebody would be doing it. It just can't be done. It's been, it's been around since 1913, Mike. The Fed is just going to be with it. I looked up when the, uh, when the Central Bank of uh, Argentina was enacted. It was established by six acts of their Congress enacted on May 28, 1935. So that thing has been around for, what is that, 88 years 88 years, the Argentinian Central Bank has been around, but Javier Mille is saying he's going to get rid of it. So we will see. The jury is still out on this guy. A couple of, If he's getting rid of the Central Bank, if he's getting rid of a, of a cabinet-level department uh, immediately on taking office, that makes him vastly different than Donald Trump or anybody else. This, this is not really just an attack on Donald Trump. It's an attack on the Republican Party. Certainly the Democrats are never going to cut anything ever. And so there are dramatic differences. We'll see. You know, one thing about the Fed, too, that I happened to notice, I was looking at financial stuff, that's all kinds of videos and statistics and people bemoaning these higher interest rates. And you would really think that some the Fed has just cranked interest rates to some unsustainable level. Now, we all know that, uh, that interest rates have gone up. The Fed raises the overnight rate. It can cause these other rates to go up, but the Federal Reserve doesn't actually control interest rates. There's a longer explanation to that. They can influence them, but ultimately, uh, interest rates can get, a, get away from the Federal Reserve very easy. But, but I've been hearing all of these people, and I think this was spurred by, I saw a real estate person saying that the interest rates have just skyrocketed. They were talking about the... the uh, unaffordability of homes right now and how the mortgage market has just frozen. And they were talking about the fact that interest rates have skyrocketed. Now, I will say they've gone up faster and as a percentage uh, of interest rates, they've gone up. It's It may be unprecedented in our country. The multiples, uh, what am I trying to say? It was such a, such a low level to go up to 5% is a very big move. And it did happen relatively quickly. But how many people understand that these rates that we see right now are much closer to normal than we've seen in 15 years? 5% interest rates is not a crazy high number. It is normal for there to be some cost to borrow money. 
it was abnormal for them to be at zero. So when I hear people in the auto business or in the home business really just crying and clutching their pearls over these high interest rates, I think, is you really have to have free money to be able to earn a living? You have to have people just taking up endless amounts, just trillions and trillions of new debt to be able to sell a house or sell a car? Is that where we've come now? It's just that the Fed f slammed rates down to zero, so now everybody depends on these low, low interest rates because they've got so much debt. And now they think the interest rates are out of control. They're not. They may get there. They may get there. I'm sure I'll do shows on that uh, coming up, but they're not there yet. What we're seeing right now is actually normal interest rates. It's just surprising to me to see everybody freaking out. Woke up in my All right, final segment for the day today. Um, you know, I ended up getting some kind of a credit monitoring service or something. I, some funky stuff had been going on. There were some people who jumped on my Netflix account down in Mexico. <laughs> I haven't expatted yet, Netflix. Um, there was some other other of my accounts. I, nothing that I think really got hacked. I didn't lose any money, but I did. I did set up something to just get get some kind of alerts. What was interesting about my credit monitoring? was essentially that it is, it's basically a credit card sales agency. Every day I get emails, you could have even more credit. <laughs> They're constantly sending me uh, loan applications or, you know, you're pre-approved for this or pre-approved for that, or you got to get this. And it's just, it's like, dude, I'm just trying to, just want to make sure nobody's getting in my stuff. It reminds me of when I took a Frontier Airlines flight for $19 out to Denver. I've told this story before. I was so proud of myself that I got this flight for $19 from, uh, I think I left out of uh, Memphis uh, to, I might have left out of Jackson, actually, $19 to get to Colorado. Of course, about $68 in taxes and fees, but the fare itself was $19. But on each leg of the flight, I had to sit through about 12 minutes of a spiel to try to get me on the Frontier credit card. I went, oh, okay. It's, this is basically a, a, an in-the-air timeshare is what I signed up for here. I wanted to touch on something that I thought was kind of funny. Uh, the uh, Mike Madison prediction has come true. And this is uh, probably said it since I was on air because, you know, Donald Trump talking about the wall and stuff like that. I, my, my view on the wall from the very day I came on air was, you know, I'm kind of ag agnostic about the wall. I think it could help. I don't think it'll ever be done. I proved that that was right. <laughs> I said it was never going to happen. So all of the fighting about it and everything was really kind of pointless to me. It wasn't ever going to happen. But the other thing that I said was, you got to be careful. And this was from the great Ron Paul made this point years and years ago. He said, walls are great for keeping people out, but oftentimes they're used for anyone, anyone keeping people in. It's not that long ago that the Soviet Union put up some great walls. Now, a lot of people weren't, <laughs> they weren't flocking to try to get into the Soviet Union, but those walls were used to actually keep people in the Soviet Union rather than keeping people out. And I've always said, much like Ron Paul said, be careful, those walls have two sides. It depends on what side they're focused on. And then I ran across this story. 
Another thing I said, you don't want this wall because what happens when we have that collapse here in the United States? You may want to leave. It's going to be the funniest thing in the world to me when I see a bunch of conservatives trying to pack up and head to Mexico. We can't go to Canada anymore, people. We, Canada is lost. Canada is basically communist, socialist, woke land. And I'm a fan of Canada. Relatives in Canada love Canada. Beautiful country. But it's lost. We ain't going north your only choice is going to be to head south, and I can't wait to see conservatives go trying to illegally cross the border.